With your connection to local agriculture, I'm Joanna Guza. I got the opportunity to talk with Ben Schibler. He is the head cheesemaker and operations manager at Ron's Wisconsin Cheese. I asked if he could share more about Ron's Wisconsin's Cheese and his role there. Ron's Cheese was a, a converting operation that was started in Luxembourg about 45 years ago, I think. And then in 2014, the, uh, my parent company, uh, Pagos Ponderosa Dairy, bought Ron's Wisconsin Cheese. They bought the packaging facility in Luxembourg. And at the same time, they started construction with an on-farm cheese plant at the farm, the home farm in Kiwani. So that's Ron's Wisconsin Cheese is now the the original location of Luxembourg still exists. There's a retail store there, and that's where we do a lot of converting and distribution. And then the cheese is produced at the cheese plant at Pagos Ponderosa Dairy. And then what's your role at the at the cheese plant? So my role would be the head cheese maker and then operations manager. So I'm responsible for all the day-to-day operations, setting the schedule, um, coming in and actually making the cheese, organizing the, the crew and the teams, you know, who works what shifts and uh, what products we're making, what products we think we might want to make next. You know, I do some sales, uh, a little, little bit of everything. It kind of depends on the day. Right. Well, can you just walk me through the day, like an average day for you or what your day consists of and maybe more of the cheese making process when you go in and and just walk me through what your day looks like. So a normal cheese making day would be we come in uh, between 10 p.m. and midnight and we will actually um, start pulling milk straight from the parlor. So uh, that's the unique thing about the on-farm cheese plant is about a minute and a half after the cow is milk, we have milk flowing into the cheese plant. We start processing it right away. So we, we don't have milk delivered in a bulk tank. It's not stored in a silo for a day or two. We're taking milk that's you know roughly two minutes old and we immediately start the process. So then we fill the pasteurizer, we, we treat the milk and and add our, our ingredients and our starter cultures and, and go through the cheese making process at the vats. And um, roughly about six hours after the cow is milked, we have a finished product that gets put into bulk storage and then hauled down the road to the Ron's location in Luxembourg where they'll package it, label it, and put it on our refrigerated delivery trucks and it goes out to, to market from there, sometimes the same day. Having the farm right there, you probably have fairly good consistency with the quality. And mm. if you don't, you're able to communicate that pretty quickly with the farm, right? Correct. Yeah, it's a really u- unique setup as far as, you know, most modern cheese production facilities are concerned because I have, I'm about 70 feet away from the crew that does the milking and the herd manager, you know, so if there's any issues with the milk, we have a direct line of communication with the people that are taking care of the cows and milking the cows and then the, the freshness of the milk because it's not being shipped or stored there's there's physical properties in the milk that the, the fresher the milk the better any any Wisconsin cheesemaker will tell you that uh, you can't make good cheese without good milk. Mm-hmm. So the, the the quality of the milk and the freshness of the milk is paramount in what you get as an end product. I've heard this nonstop of how good Wisconsin milk is and let's just we're going to be extra picky though. Mm-hmm. When you have a Uh, some milk that comes in that's not up to the quality of what it usually is. What's usually the problem when you have items like that? And I know these are usually rare because usually you can just make it work, but what are some cases like I know we've talked about somatic cell, temperature. Are there any other examples that you can think of that impact the quality of the milk? Yeah, so I mean, basically, cheese making process is, is you're you're concentrating the solids and leaving the water behind. So any attribute that the milk has or any defect is going to be multiplied roughly ten times in your final product. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so, you know, the forage the cow eats is important, you know, depending on the time of year and what they're eating, you know, you could get sweet notes in your milk, which will give you a sweeter tasting cheese. You could get a sour or acidic note, again, depending on the forage and the health of the animal, the time of the year, the weather. So all those things have an effect on the physical composition of the milk and, and the flavor. And so whatever that cow is giving you is going to be multiplied 10 times in your final product. So there's lots of different things that can happen with the milk. I'd be curious with like, is it more when uh, first crop comes in that you might see a drastic change in the milk or is it now stuff that's been fermenting in the feed bunk for a while? Usually the fresher the feed is, the better the quality of the milk. We see better milk when we get that first first crop in, you know, compared to, to the, the stuff they're eating out of the bunker towards the end of the year. So yeah, fr- fresh is always better with, with, with anything. So when you use all the components you need to make the cheese, what some of your byproducts and where do they go? So the byproducts we have would just be the whey, which sometimes the whey gets fed back to the cows. Mm-hmm. Um, other times we send it down the drain, which our cheese plant's unique because our cheese plant, uh, all our washdown water and, and all our whey, anything that is a byproduct goes to our on-site digester. And from there, the, the digester, the methane that we trap off the digester goes to our compressed natural gas bottling plant. So the days that we have more production and more more wash water and also more whey because there's a lot of lactose in the whey. The anaerobic bacteria in the digester really like that. So we will we'll produce more gas on days that there's more food going to the digester. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the little bugs, the microbes in the digester really like the byproducts from the cheese plant. So that adds, that adds so much uh, to the whole operation and a whole new definition of recycling yeah. on the farm. So Ben, one thing that I know you're going through is uh, getting your cheese master license and you can correct me if I said that wrong. Can you tell me me about where you've been and now the process of becoming a master cheesemaker? Yeah, so the master cheesemaker program is kind of unique to Wisconsin. It's the only thing like it in the world. And to become a master cheesemaker, you first have to be a a state licensed cheesemaker, which in and of itself is a two-year process. You have to do a two-year apprenticeship under another licensed cheesemaker, and then you have to pass a state exam, you know, similar to an electrician or a plumber. Then once you pass that state exam, you become a licensed cheesemaker. Then you have to be a licensed cheesemaker for 10 years before you're allowed to enter the master cheesemaker program. And then when you enter the master cheesemaker program, you can test for two cheeses at a time maximum. And each one of those cheeses must be a cheese that you were making for a minimum of five years. So then you apply for the program. Once your 10 years is in, you can apply. You're accepted into the program. And then it's a three-year program where there's numerous classes that you have to take down at the Center for Dairy Research or UW-River Falls. And then you also have to submit samples throughout that three-year program. And people from the Master Cheesemaker program will then, they grade and critique your samples to make sure you're at the top of your craft. Mm-hmm. Um, once all that's done, there's a take-home test. It takes about a month to complete. Most guys spend 40 to 70 hours of time just to complete the test. And then you mail it back, and the board of directors for the Master Cheesemaker program will review every single answer. And if they find that you've demonstrated enough knowledge, you will then be given the go-ahead to graduate the Master Cheesemaker program. So all in all, it, it from the time you start getting your cheesemaker license to then putting in the required preliminary time. It's about a 15-year process to, to become a master cheesemaker one time. And then if you want to become a master cheesemaker in more than those one or two cheeses that you started with, you have to go through the program for another three years. And you can only do two at a time. So it's two cheeses at a time. So you can basically be in the program forever. So for me, I'm, <laughs> I'm going for mozzarella 
this particular time. So if I want to do like cheddar and curds next, I'll have to wait till I graduate in April and then I'll have to enter the program and do another three-year stint for that'll be specific for those cheeses. Okay. So it's, it's really involved. It takes a lot of technical experience, right. you know, to, to get through it. I feel like they should call you the doctor cheese, right. cheese master because that's a lot of schooling. I'm going to tell my brother not to complain about going to medical school because that's a lot of schooling. So how would be, like you said, you're going for mozzarella, and if you wanted to do cheddar, do you know how that would be different? Like those next three years, how that would be different than the mozzarella portion? Yeah, so now if you're going to go through the program, again, the second time you go through it, you don't have, you've covered all the basic principles. So then you're just focusing on the principles and the, the techniques for that specific cheese. So it does get easier once, the, the first one is always the most difficult. That's the most information that you're, you're required to absorb. So then after that, then you're just focusing on that specific type of cheese, not, not the overall process. So someone that's listening that's, you know, say, oh, well, maybe I'd want to be a cheesemaker. What are some of the classes you take in chemistry? I know something related to food science, but what mm. would be some of those like college classes or things that people would want to consider if they want to be a cheesemaker? Any university that offers a dairy science program will cover pretty much anything that you need to make a cheesemaker. But yeah, there's a lot of chemistry, a lot of microbiology. I mean, basically our whole world is, is we're taking bacteria starter cultures and we're putting them in milk and then we're growing them so so the whole cheese making process is is you're basically manipulating mother nature to get it to do what you want you're taking all these natural products that exist in in nature the milk the rennet which is usually derived from calf stomachs that's the enzymes that coagulates the milk the bacteria the starter cultures so you're, you're taking stuff that exists and then you're just manipulating it into into a product so lots lots of biology a little bit of chemistry uh, some math there's quite a bit of math involved when I think about this long process, and you're kind of a rare breed, there's not a lot of master cheesemakers out there. I think there's less than 80 right now. Less than 80. This year's graduating class might put it over. I'll have to double check the numbers. So you made a comment that you have to um, like shadow or be with a cheese a master cheesemaker for the first couple of years. Do you still continue like a, a mentor relationship with other master cheesemakers to make sure you're on the right track? So yeah, once you become a master cheesemaker, then you can be part of the master cheesemaker board. So then any master cheesemaker board meetings, you, you have the option of attending if you want. So there, there's a whole network of current masters that you then have access to for as long as your master status is active, which as long as you're employed at a cheese plant, your, your master cheesemaker status will be active. And now with just focusing in on mozzarella cheese, what have you learned in this process about mozzarella cheese that you didn't know before this? Oh boy, I don't know if we have enough time for that in this interview. Um, without being too technical, a lot of the science, the program really forces you to to, to get out of that tunnel vision that we kind of have every day in the plant where you just go in there and you're trying to get the work done and go home. And, and it forces you because of the test you have to take and the way you have to demonstrate your knowledge um, it forces you to learn more about the science, to take a step back, look at the big picture, and kind of take that 10,000-foot snapshot of the whole science from, you know, from the time the, the cow was fed the forage till you get the milk and then the whole process through the plant. It's really hard to explain how much you actually learn that you didn't know before, but it's, I mean, there's volumes. There, there's, I mean, there's a whole tote of books you get when you start the program that you have to rifle through before, mm -hmm. you know, and it takes you three years just to read all the material, so it's... It's kind of like memorizing an encyclopedia, so to speak. <laughs> right. So when we talk about you going to sample someone else's mozzarella cheese, how do you sample it and what are you looking for and what are those qualities? Like I think about, you know, when you think about my profession, I listen to the media and I'm 
more in tune with what I know they're doing because I know the background of their, their career. So when you're trying someone else's mozzarella cheese, what are you trying to find and taste and, and sensing when you're trying it? So mozzarella, similar to any other cheese, there's standards of identity. The FDA has a standard of identity for every cheese. So there's certain criteria and there's basic components that need to be in a cheese for it to be considered that type of cheese. So, so there's, there's legal standards we look for, you know, and then also industry standards, whereas, okay, this is kind of the norm as far as flavor, texture. So in a mozzarella, the w- w- couple of things you want to look for would be um, the, the texture. You want what we call a chicken breast tear. Or like, you know, when you take a piece of string cheese and you can peel it all the way down, that, that texture, that, that stringy grain is, is something that you look for that's characteristic and that you want in a good mozzarella. And then the flavor, mozzarella has kind of a, a mild, you know, fresh, milky flavor. So you don't want any acidic notes in there. You don't want any sour notes. You know, like a good aged cheddar might have some acidity in there. Well, you're not going to want that in the mozzarella. It's not, it's supposed to be a fairly clean, uh, fairly fresh cheese without there's not a lot of complexity in a mozzarella, so you're not looking for a bunch of wild, fruity flavors or anything like that. That would be considered a defect in something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, then, and then a slight amount of salt, but not too much. Mm-hmm. So with your time with making cheese, can you maybe talk about a life event that happened that impacted the cheese-making process for you at Ron's Cheese or even before your time at Ron's Cheese, whether that was uh, a year that farmers had some poor quality feed just because of weather conditions Mm -hmm. or uh, a big weather event that impacted what you were able to get done. Uh, Just something like that we can bring back some memories for people. Sure, sure. I think one of the the craziest things we ever had was, um, and probably unique to us because we're an on-farm cheese plant, was uh, I think that was what, four years ago or five years ago when we had that 30 some inches of snow that one April. Yeah. Well, the, all the all the milk trucks we had in the yard were getting full and we were getting close to having to, you know, dump milk down the drain because not all of the milk we use, we make on site goes into the cheese plant. Some of it gets sold. And so we, we had the, the cheese team had to come in on a Sunday and just we just started making block cheddar for storage because we didn't want to have to, we had one, one milk truck left to fill and we had nowhere to go with the milk. So then we just ran the plant as heavy as you could run the plant just so we didn't waste the milk. We didn't have orders for it, but you, know, you make black cheddar and you put it in storage, just you can sell it later on the, on the market if you have to. But that was pretty wild. We had to, we had to buy the parlor about 16 hours before, you know, the roads got opened up and you could start transporting milk again. That was fun. Well, and I think, I think even just for the public to know, for you guys to flip on a dime and change that, that mm-hmm. took a lot. I mean, that wasn't just Ben coming into work. You were probably calling other people to come in and, yeah. uh, you know, everyone kind of had to come together to make that work, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first we had to, I think I actually picked somebody up on the way to work because they couldn't get out of their driveway. So it was a team effort to, to even get the employees to the plant. Cause again, the roads were bad enough. The milk trucks couldn't drive down, but yet we were still trying to get into the plant, you know, to make cheese. So it was, yeah, it was, it was quite the logistics situation. <laughs> yes, right. So when you look into the future, whether that's this year or five years into the future, what are some challenges that you see in the cheese making process? The biggest challenge, honestly, I see right now is um, the industry as a whole, and they're doing a good job of it, is going to, we need to implement more automation because the, the labor shortage is just, it's increasingly difficult to deal with. And cheese in particular, especially some of your artisan cheeses, are very labor intensive. There's not a lot of robots or machines that, that make these handmade cheeses. So if you don't have the, the personnel, the elbow grease in the plant to do it, you know, you, you have to shorten your product lineup. And so it's, it's been very difficult to, to staff the plant properly for the amount of sales that are available. Um, I mean, we, we have 
we have more accounts than we can supply cheese to right now. Mm -hmm. So like growing isn't a problem. It, it's finding the, the people to get the job done. So yeah, I think automation and, and adding infrastructure to get more pounds out the door with less humans present is going to be really important because, I mean, for the foreseeable next, I would say at least five years, the, it doesn't look like there's going to be any extra labor pool to pick from. For any industry, much less, you know, something so labor-intensive like cheese. So I think that's our biggest hurdle right now is finding enough help to get the job done. Definitely. It's like that domino effect, and then people start to wonder why the cheese is looking so expensive in the grocery stores yeah. because you have to either pay more for labor yeah. uh, to be more the uh, the enticing company to have them come work for you. Now, I always like to end on a more optimistic note. What about some of those trends that you're following that make you excited about your career in cheesemaking that... Um, you're looking forward to with trying in the next five years? Any new experimental artisan cheeses. Um, we, we do a fair amount of um, research work for like other companies, private label, because we have, we have a small test vat in the facility. So we've had the opportunity to make a lot of different test cheeses. We're, we're actually working with a company, uh, Alpenage Cheese. They actually rent our facility and make a French raclette. So uh, anything new and weird is is what the consumers seem to like right now, <laughs> and and that's the fun part is is not making the same thing every day. So that that's that's the part I'm looking forward to is maybe creating some unique styles that aren't even out on the market yet, you know, and and maybe creating our own trend. Very exciting things are happening for you. We've been talking with Ben Chibler. He's the head cheesemaker and operations manager at Ron's Wisconsin's Cheese located in Luxembourg. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe and rate Wisco Ag News. And that's your connection to a local cheesemaker. I'm Joanna Guza.